Well, hey, gang, this is Jen McDonough, the Iron Jen. It has been a while since we connected. I'm so excited to be back. I took a much-needed hiatus from um, from the Blog Talk radio show, the Iron Jen show, and so much has happened since the last time we connected. Uh, doing a lot of fun things that I'm looking forward to sharing with you over the next uh, next couple weeks, but uh, really, I'm here to help you unleash your best and hopeful that we can spend some time together. If you are looking to reach me, I would love to connect with you. Check out my new website at theironjen.com. We've got a lot of great things on there going on. We've got upcoming seminars for helping you unleash your best in your careers. I'm doing one-on-one coaching now, all kinds of things, so I can share that with you later. But today, I really wanted to talk about some of the things that have has been going on in the news. Um, recently, we heard the passing of David Bowie. Um, eight days later, Glenn Fry passed away. And these guys are young guys, ages 67, 69. And it's so surprising, I think, as um, folks who have grown up with, um, you know, people like Glenn Fry or David Bowie to hear of their passing. Because I think there's some part of us that have a connection with them, especially through music. Um, People touch us in a certain way that's pretty special. And so when we hear of these icons passing away, it's a great chance for us to become very self-aware of um, kind of what we're doing in our own lives. Because I think it's tempting to look at these folks and think, wow, they have it all. They um, they have the world by the tail. But in the end, at the very end of the day, David Bowie and Glenn Fry were people just like us. And yes, they had a ton of success. They enjoyed a lot of fame and fortune, most likely. But at the end of the day, their time here on Earth, as um, cliche as it sounds, their time on Earth was finite, just like ours is. And I think we tend to go through our day-to-day lives and we think, oh, life is going to be great, it's never going to end, but at the end of the day, our life is finite. We only have a certain amount of time on this earth. And um, I, I I love when we're doing things such as goals and achieving great things. One of the things that I coach clients through is to always keep the end in mind where we're going. Uh, in a few weeks here, I'll probably share a little bit more as time goes on, but I was really excited to be inducted into the Minnesota Hall of Fame for weightlifting that's coming up later this month. Very exciting stuff. But one of the things that in weightlifting that we were always taught to do is picture, do a lot of visualization of where you'll be at. Um, so for me, anytime um, that we were starting a new program, um, we called it peak training. So we would start off building our base um, through our training periods and we'd ramp up to our big meet during the year. So maybe we would have, um, you know, four, five, at the most, six big meets that we would do each year that we would train for and we would spend our time building our our workup. So heavy volume in our base building um, phase and then we'd start to, you know, we'd really work on technique and then we would build that base up as we would go and, um, you know, pretty soon it would be less less reps and more weight until our final competition, and then we would peak. We would have our bodies at peak performance. And that's how, when I think of, you know, what we're talking about today, when we're looking at the final end of our days, 
what a great way to live our lives. What a great way to look at, um, to be reminded uh, that life is finite. So when we see, you know, legends like David Bowie or Glenn Fry passing away or we hear that, what a great reminder, a gift from them to remind us to be very intentional about where we want to end up. Weightlifting, that was easy. You know, that was, you know, a couple times out of the year that we thought about where we wanted to be. But life, that can be hard. And the reason I think it is hard is because we get so stuck on our day-to-day grinding through life. Um, You know, we're just trying to make it through. When you think of, you know, just the different stats that people are living by today, so 70% of people are living paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, for those seven out of 10 people, that's a grind every day. A lot of us are going to work or we're doing things maybe we don't love. Um, and we're just trying to get by. So thinking about the end of life is probably the last thing on many of our minds. Today, I wanted to touch on the two top regrets of the dying. And this was inspired by Bronnie Ware's book, The Top Five Regrets of Dying, A Life Transformed by the Dearly Departed. And in this wonderful book, Bronnie lists out the five regrets of um, people that that she um, had worked with through her hospice nursing days. She put together this compilation of um, these top five regrets. And I love you know, all five of them are great things to live by, but the top two are the ones I want to touch on today. And the first one is a golden one, and it's, I wish I had lived, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others have expected expected of me. How many of us are in our 30s, 40s, even 50s today, and we're going through living a life that somebody else planned for us. Perhaps maybe it was a parent or a spouse, some sort of expectation that was put out for us that we're living today. In working with um, people in professions such as physicians, dentists, um, you know, high uh, high, uh, positions, you would think, wow, they must have it all. But it's amazing when we look at the stats of how many people are really unhappy in some of those professions. And I think part of that goes back to is they may have been living out the dreams of somebody else. Perhaps it was a parent. Um, you know, how how do you think that child must feel who, you know, is a third generation, um, coming from a third generation of physicians must feel when, you know, it's time to go off to college how do you think, it must be very hard for them if they're not wired to go into, say, medicine or treating patients to say no to parents who have that expectation. Um, I think as parents, too many times we get wrapped up in our child's life in that we set these expectations of expecting them to live out our dreams. I've seen it in sports, um, in, in weightlifting as a great example. As a parent, I've seen it happen over and over and over again. My husband coached hockey for about 10 years. We ourselves that way were as parents. Uh, we started our kids in hockey at three years old, and we expected them to um, really adapt to it. Well, the great thing about being a parent, for those of you out there, you probably already know this, is if we allow it, our kids can be some of the greatest teachers for our lives, can't they? Well, 
you know, we started our kids off at three years old in hockey. The first and third child did excellent. They loved it. They excelled in it. But our second child hated it. We were making each other miserable. As I had put on his ice skates for the first couple months, he would scream bloody murder because they didn't feel right. He didn't like being cold. He didn't like the way things felt. He didn't like being out on the ice. And I couldn't understand what was wrong with this child. That was really one of the first discoveries in this, to diving into what is all this stuff about how we're hardwired and why is it some people are born this way and that way. And getting to do this training now for um, high-stress organizations and helping, um, helping them realize that their teams are all wired separately is such a gift because I think it not only helps their teams, but it really helps us as individuals, especially as parents to understand that our kids are wired very differently. So going back to that top regret, to realize that the number one regret was, I wish I'd had the courage to live a true life to myself, not the life expected of others. When we can um, realize that that truly is a regret of many dying people today, we can look at that and say, how am I living a life How can I have the courage to live a life to be true to myself? I think one of the easiest ways that we can go about living a life, uh, an authentic life that is true to ourselves, is becoming self-aware of how we're wired. That's such a simple way, simple way. And one of the ways you can do that is through um, something which I call a strength profile. You can find one of those. Uh, on my website, um, just look for Strength Profile under Products. That's a simple way to understand how we're wired. And when I look at kids going off to college, I think, oh, my gosh, if their parents would just have them take this profile, you might be able to save hundreds of thousands of dollars in wasted college costs. Now, you know, it's I, I think we've all heard the stories of people spending tens of thousands of dollars on college for their kids only to end up, um, having them either not being able to get a job, being in a job they hate, or, you know, flipping burger at, burgers at McDonald's. Now, there is nothing wrong with McDonald's, mind you, but when you're spending tens of thousands of dollars on education, you kind of expect to be at a certain pay grade or a, a certain job satisfaction. And so realizing that we ourselves are wired in a certain way is not only helpful for us as parents, but it's helpful for um, for us to see that in our team members. When I am a leader of an organization and I'm leading my staff, knowing how they're wired, knowing what their motivators are, their stresses are, their fears are, is absolutely key to helping them unleash their best. So that's an easy way to go about it. But if you are living the life someone else's dream, stop. Stop and start really diving into it. what is it that you want? What are your passions, your dreams? How are you wired? Um, you know, start looking at what your purpose is. Why, why were you born? Uh, what were you born to do? What is the one thing that you can do to unleash your best? The second step I wanted to talk about from Bronnie's book is I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Now, this is one of those that I think especially – um, when you're in a very demanding career where uh, things, um, you know, high expectations are expected from you, you're leading people, um, you're, you've got 
you know, to-do tasks on your list every day. This is really one that's hard to see. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. And Brian goes on to share that this regret came from a male. Every actually said that this regret regret came from every male patient that she had ever nursed. Isn't that amazing? They missed their children's youth and their partner's companionship. Uh, women also spoke of this regret, but as most were from older generation, many of the female patients had not been breadwinners that she had worked with. So, all of the men she, all of the men that she nursed, deeply regretted spending so much of their lives on the treadmill of a work existence. Boy, doesn't that give you a picture in your mind? And I think that it's easy to look at other people's lives and see when people are workaholics and. They can be workaholics for many reasons. It can be to put bread on the table. Um, It can be to achieve great things. I think when we're people that are workaholics, if you want to call call us or call them, it's, it's easy to get wrapped up into the reasons of why we're doing it. And many times we can see that it is for the best intentions. When I was at a job that I totally loved, was very passionate about, I remember staying till, you know, it wasn't unusual to stay till five thirty, six o'clock every night. Well, I also had a one-hour commute. And the reason I stayed for till 5.36 every night was because they needed me. You know, they needed me at work. Nobody else could do my job. And I was serving really well. That's why I viewed it. And, you know, it would be at least an hour ride home in rush hour you know, sometimes longer, weather was bad, it could be up to an hour and a half. And, you know, there my kids were at 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. And it never really hit me that I wasn't, I was missing out on the best times with them. It never really occurred to me until we, you know, our finances hit and we started to become really intentional about our time and looking at where we were spending our time, what we were doing, how we were spending those 168 hours a week. And when we started doing that, it was amazing to see what were we doing with our time. And when we, you know, eventually did pull our kids out of sports, we we said, hey, you know, that's not the season of life we're in right now. That was really hard, by the way. Um, because we had those expectations on ourselves that our family had to be this athletic family. But when we started to become really intentional, and then when I lost the job that I was so loyal to, I thought they can't go without me. When that job loss came, that was like a gut punch because I thought, you know what, I have served you so well over the years. And when I look back, I kind of laugh at the compensation because I'm like, wow, you know, I was doing work um, that were many grades above me, but yet getting paid many grades below me. But I, I felt that loyalty and I just, I loved what I did and I served really well. But at the end of the day, I was someone that was very replaceable. I was not as needed as I thought I was, even though, um, you know, people around me thought, oh, how can we do this without her? But they obviously did fine. Um, uh, it's amazing when we start to look back at life and think of all the things that we missed because we were had our head in the sand. We were trying daily to get through the grind how many things that we can miss. I remember one in particular was my son's sixth birthday, and it was... Um, 
you know, we were having a party over at my mom's house, cake and ice cream, and I totally was late. I was like an hour and a half late for it. And I remembered my husband being so angry and I thought, what's your problem, bud? You know, I've, I had this thing that was due and I got it done. Now I look back on that and I think, wow, um, he, you know, I don't remember the money that I earned from that, that working that extra hour and a half. I don't remember the project that we got done, but I remembered the birthday party that I missed with him. And I think oftentimes it's so easy to get through life. You know, we we uh, we get through the end of our life and we realize of all the connections that we missed. A very good friend of mine, a physician who I worked with at the time, when I was, it was the last days of leaving my job that I loved, that I was devastated by. And I remembered him telling me something that was so wise. He was passing away of... Um, uh, some sort of cancer at the time, and he had just a few months to live. And I remembered going and visiting to him, and he said, Jen, you know, how's it going? And I'm like, oh, my goodness, Tom, I have so much going on right now. i got to get this prepared and that prepared because, you know, they need me, they need me. And he looked at me and he said, Jen, you know, go ahead and go do all that stuff, but please promise me this. Take time to go say goodbye to people. Take time to go connect with them. Because at the end of the day, Jen, you're not going to remember what things you got done or didn't get done, but you are going to remember those connections that you made and, you know, the, the goodbyes that you have, the people that you've worked with in this industry for 20 years. That's what you're going to remember. And it was so hard at that time to, you know, not be so busy, caught up in things. But I did take his advice and I did go and, you know, say my goodbyes. And at the end of the day, yes, there were some things undone. It, there was no way that they could they could have all been done before I left. It was just one of those things that you had to let go of. But I think having that perspective of at the end of the day, what is it that you really want at the end of your life? And my hope is, is when you're listening to this, that you can really picture that. And for me, me personally, when I look at that, I want to do two things. Number one, it's things that I do in life that I really want to be proud of. I want to be proud of that at the end of the day, my life mattered and I made a difference for somebody else's life. And the second thing is the connections that I've made. I want to be able to look around at my deathbed and see my loved ones around me. You know, I don't want to be staring off into, um, you know, be in some nursing home where I don't know anyone, but I want my loved ones around me. I think it's said at your funeral, something like only five people will cry uh, statistically at your funeral. And I think by investing in those relationships today, who are those five people that are going to be crying at your funeral? What type of time are you spending with them? I think when we can start looking at life that way, we'll bring out a whole new meaning to not only our um, personal lives but also to our work lives. And I'm not saying, you know, just go up and quit your job or whatever, but I'm saying the work that you do, what is it that you're doing that is meaningfully impacting people? Are you, you know, taking a moment at work to say hi to someone, 
um, you know, someone new, maybe someone that you've worked with for 20 years. My goodness, when you think of all the people that are around us, we don't always know what people are going through, but it's the times when people are going through difficult times, it's the people that step in and um, connect with others that really make a difference. Um, so anyway, so that's my encouragement for you today in unleashing your best. It's really at the end of the day, at the end of your life, to really think about what is it that you want. Are you living a true, authentic life that's to yourself, or are you living on someone else's expectations? Are you working so hard that you're missing out on the people around you to connect, to meaningfully connect with them? Well, gang, that is all for this week. Thank you so much for um, being with me. I'm so excited to be back. And I look forward to sharing more things that I'm doing this year. If you or someone else that you know is having a career transition, uh, I will be hosting some uh, great seminars coming up. But you can find more about that through my webinars. You can go to theirongen.com slash work or you can uh, find out more about my work seminars just by going to the Iron Gen and clicking on the career tab. If you're looking for some one-on-one coaching, I'm doing very limited one-on-one coaching, but uh, if that's something that you think you might be a great fit for, I have an application for that, and we can see if truly that is a good fit for. And then the other thing is, is if you know of any high-stress groups such as first responders or folks that work in the customer service field where they're expected to be on every day, no, I would love to come out and serve your group, either through training, through keynoting, whatever it is. But I just am really excited about uh, this new, where things are going and helping people unleash their best. So thank you so much, you guys. Come visit me if you know of anyone. Uh, also, the last thing, if you know of anyone struggling on finances for the next couple of weeks, we're offering my number one book, Five Minutes a Day to Living Beyond Rich, for free just by signing up on our website. So you can find more information about that for theirongen.com. On the right-hand side column, there's a Get Your Free ebook. And again, we'll have that up for the next couple of weeks if you know someone struggling with their finances or um, if you yourself are, please check that out. That is how we paid off over $212,000 worth of debt and medical expenses in four years. And that'll walk you step-by-step step through on um, on how we did that. So that is all for this week, gang. Thank you so much, and have a great week.